0: Not more to serve a goat door, putasa, no So over the past week or so, we've been caused to, many times, consider history, of this particular place, this monastery, this Sangha in Britain, it kind of keeps, you can widen it to how comes Buddhism in Britain, what does it mean anyway, what's it doing, has it come here, how does it take root, how is it the people um You wish to follow it to such an extent that they're prepared to give up their personal freedom and uh, choice of clothes and choice of day and choice of routines and many other um, choices in order to uh, as a necessity to to more fully, completely practice it. These are really. So, just causing to consider all these things. Um, let's say the history, well, that interesting colourful history which was always, always good for uh, some anecdotes and yarns and you know, good old days and bad old days and do you remember him and what happened to her? <laughs> kind of thing and when the roof was, we didn't have much of a roof and it rained all the time and when there we wasn't much food to eat and the nuns were going around picking nettles. Uh, the hedgerows to try and get some food for us to make nettle and comfrey pancakes something to eat <laughs> <laughs> because it just wasn't very much <laughs> so these are all kind of uh, in, colourful, interesting and you can uh, history that uh, and, but here we are there's history and even that that history that we know is you know, you can you can create ten histories of it, depending on where you were at at that time. People who lived here, you know, they can see: oh, it was really rough, or it was really fun, or it was crazy, or it was deeply inspiring. Or you know, and so people have their own remembering different facts, what happened and what didn't happen. So history is really a bit of a bit of a, uh, a mirage. But we can recognise this came uh, from a previous uh, situation of... Certainly the, the, uh, there was a body called English Sangha Trust which was set up specifically to invite um, um, people to go forth. First of all, just men, because that's what they knew. They knew bhikkhus, and then as that opened up, well, why not have women too? It's the invitation. Why? Why bother? You know and that's that's a historical moment you could say a very potent moment because it's not just that the uh, why 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 invite other people and just guarantee to support them that's pretty you know uh, significant and then where do they come from well clearly they'd read and practiced and been inspired by other teachers and felt this is a great thing to have around. Somehow this will be fulfilling for our welfare and also for the welfare of those who who come and for the welfare of our society which is pretty much lacking any real uh, deep spiritual rudder or sail, It's just kind of wallowing around in various social material. Perspectives. Christianity doesn't really have much effect on people anymore. So, some sense of something that would give people a feeling, you know, it's just about getting by, there's a noble, lifting, an uplifting quality. And we, even if we don't realize it ourselves, and that was the really kind of significant thing about the English Sangha Trust, they didn't expect that they were going to be able to give full commitment, or practice, or become arahants, or realize stream entry, or do a lot of meditation, but they, no, we just want to, but what we can do is create a situation for people to go a bit further than we're going. And that's quite generous and, uh, um, you know, noble gesture. And it's out of these gestures, whatever the details of the cost of this, and the name of that, and what went wrong there, there's a sense of the, the, also a, as a transmission right? history is just facts or apparent facts which are actually very debatable there's <laughs> a rough you know, fact uh, but the transmission is something else which is what's happening in mind, what's happening in heart what's happening in spirit yeah. whoever the person's name was you get Why did this accountant and this engineer and this retired person decide to get together? And what was happening? Where did that come from? It came out of a certain sense of something deeply missing in life and something noble to rise up to. And It always goes right back to, of course, to the historical Buddha and all the exemplars. Essentially it's the first noble truth, isn't it? or a pivot of sign of inadequacy, uh, suffering, stress, and then that's the first noble truth, and that's that with rising from that, that wish to realize something further than that, whether one realized it oneself or just it facilitated it. So a certain kind of nobility of intention coming out of that, which I think to me this is perhaps the more important uh, thread of continuity to um, that runs through this place and not just through this place but out of that essentially as this place began to <clears throat> finally you know gets, get itself somewhat stable, like at least got a roof on, it took five years to get a, a, a reasonable, just a roof and Heating and electricity and floors, <laughs> you yeah. uh, know that kind of thing, and be able to even walk around the ground without coming across wrecked cars or rubble or trash or old machinery or something else. Then other people say, "Well, we'd like to invite people to come up to Northumberland, and we'll do the same thing." Yeah. And then we want to invite people to come to Devon, same thing. We want to invite people to come to Switzerland. Okay. Then Australia New Zealand, and then eventually still this kind of invitation and this potency unfolding, then well, you know, clearly something is, is very rich in this in this mix, Amrawati, where we'll create something that is not just for primarily for monastic training, but also to facilitate the uh, <coughs> culture, the cultivation for Householders, people come and stay and do retreats, families, and things of this nature. So, this sense of the full circle of it all, you know, and paying it back and turning it over. And yet, the undercurrent of it is a sense of just, you know, struggle a bit, think of the big picture, uh, sacrifice yourself uh, as best you can, play B, don't take yourself as the final unit think of the group (laughs) either the local community or you know the the wider community just use that as your frame of reference rather than just your own personal wishes and so on trying to hold that together well actually then that becomes quite a a potent mode of of practice There's a sense of sati, mindfulness, you bear, you hold in mind, this is, here we are now, with with this, okay, you know, I don't like it, I want more of it, I want less of it, I don't agree with this, that and the other, but this is where we are, right. If I just let go of my, work with my agitation or resistances or feeling of inadequacy and begin to clear that, that's That's practice, so it's uh, say so this is often the preliminary phase of, of practice that's recommended in any uh, spiritual training. Spiritual training generally means you take discipleship. Uh, before you do that, really you're not really training, you're just um, uh, learning a few interesting techniques. <laughs> Uh, when you take discipleship, then you start training because this means this is going to this is going to take you beyond what you like, what you wish for, what you even understand. Uh, are you ready for that? Don't have to, by no means. But if you do, it's going to push you. you, you want, do you see any purpose in that? Do you see something valuable in that? Hmm? If you do, then we can we can undertake this. Hmm. Uh, because the rationale of it is that all of us eventually meet our defeat as a person. We meet uh, our bodies crumble, our brains get less adequate, our sense faculties fade out, our ability to manage things get lesser. Okay, so if you're still hanging on to the person as the vehicle, it's, it's a sinking ship. Uh, and when it's when it's fully in full sail, you know, it's pretty attractive looks like it's a great thing, Uh, you you know, 25, 30, get a few ideas, read a few books, get sorted, get out, do this, it's great, and there's intoxication with that, and I see a certain kind of cockiness sometimes, and then, you know, but then what happens, you follow that, then you start having opinions about other people, this is right, that's wrong, you know, then you can't really form something that opens to include others, because it 's very much the personal ship that one, one cultivates, and then what so then what happens well eventually you know you write your book <laughs> uh, you know and you stump off into your heart and and then so what it fades out yeah. and clearly the Buddha was very uh, aware of this uh, this tendency why it created the what we call the, the vinaya, which is all the training systems that that uh, literally bind, party morga, thorough binding. It binds you together into into collectives, into a monk collective and nun collective. You know, and it means you have a certain responsibility for the lay people. You have a certain relationship there that also acts as a bind. I say it sounds unpleasant, but it's not necessarily. It means now I'm responsible for them and how I act. I have to bear them, how that's going to affect them in mind. So it's, it's a very powerful to keep kind of, okay, uh, let go of my particular wishes or style, because this will support the faith of the lay people, you know, encourage them, and, and turn up. And it's particularly significant because, more or less, as I've begun to see over the over the years, in lineages that don't have that, there's always sexual abuse, power abuse, money, and they it doesn't really matter what the religion is because the same thing happens. You know, they, some kind of religious figure gets quite quite uplifted and you know a great being, and then five years later they find out he's been having sexual relationships with his disciples, not even you know, but abusive ones or controlling, because they didn't have that, that they still hadn't really kind of surrendered themselves into the responsibility of, of that bond, yeah. where you have to honour respect each other. And there's times when you like each other and sometimes you don't, of you're willing to and sometimes you're not willing to Sometimes it's a waste of time, why bother? Uh, But you still do it. Because you keep working through all those attitudes of mind, those kind of um, opinions and moods and views, you keep working through them. Mm -hmm. And this is, we say this is kind of like your basic training. So, like first five years or so, at least it's not really done in, exactly in time. But the sense in which you just follow, and and just keep understanding and re- returning to, you know, uh, that that quality of uh, commitment and uh, responsibility and letting go as best you can. And generally the idea is that everybody realizes it's a tough tough call for a human being. We're all pretty much, particularly Western people, we're pretty much independent, competitive, got to be the one and only, get ahead, do my thing, got all kinds of great ideas going on in my head and so we're very much like that. So it's quite a, quite a big thing to actually begin to just put your head on the floor. And say, okay, that's my teacher, I just, you know, and then naturally because of that then there's a sense of then you have to care for the disciples, and look after them and uh, never mistreat them or abuse them, so it's kind of honour and respect is born between human beings rather than just power, domination or, or you know, who's better and who's worse. So it purifies, and this process of purification is really the transmission, and it can be done. Uh, you know, it, that's we could, that's a kind of vinaya training method that has been the one of the primary features of this particular lineage transmission as it's happened, and significantly enough, there were earlier attempts, which were strongly uh, uh, based upon meditation training, uh, systematic meditation training, uh, from um, meditation monasteries in Thailand, what Paknam, Nam, visualizing, uh, (coughs) and Abhidharma, a lot of learning, and uh, no fault with that, but they weren't based upon Vinaya. And so all of those ones had a flowering uh, and then essentially the, the person, who, it, the human vehicle, it sort of just fell away. You know, like, like the, the ideas were great and true, there's nothing wrong with the ideas, but the person who was carrying didn't have the uh, strength, the resilience, and the group, there wasn't a group that could, could carry that. So it was like it was a great meal, but there was no proper plate. It was a great flower arrangement. There was no vase to put it in, <laughs> yeah. So it just fell all over the place. You know And when you when and it's very really important because naturally, when we come to a meal, we're not interested in the plate. We want the food. You come to a bunch of flowers. You don't want the vase. Who cares? It's the flowers. But if you didn't have the plate, <laughs> what do you think the food would be? Happen to the food? If you didn't have the vase, what would happen to the to the, uh, to the flowers, it'd just be a mess, wouldn't it? And so the emphasis here has been very much to, uh, do, to cultivate in that way. And obviously relationship to other people is part of it, but not even personal, but fellow practitioners. Who knows what our karma is? Who knows who we've been in previous lives, or how we've hurt each other, or disappointed each other, or gladly, who knows, but let's just clear any kind of negativity or jealousies or regrets or passions so just clearing, 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 clearing the tendency to do that yeah. and it's uh, and then depending on how, you know, how fortunate how much your own resources in that, some people just didn't have don't have the resource for that yeah, or maybe that's not, that's not what they're up to at this time round. But So there's always been a huge uh, percentage of people passing through, trying it for a, a month, a year, five years, three years, ten years, twenty years. That's enough, I think. Yeah, enough right now. Feel, yeah. And by and large, that's a sense okay, it's respected. You tried, you worked with it, you did good, you've definitely, you know cleared stuff, good. go on, continue. So, and then that, that means there's no real leaving of it in, in that sense. Once you get into that, that once you understand that theme of purification. And this was basically, uh, <clears throat> you know, how this differed from, say, um, going to the Buddhist Society summer school or going to a, a bit off retreat centre in Staffordshire learning nine different stages of uh, insight (laughs) and it also is pretty uh, it's also kind of quite resilient because you can do quite a number of things within that that, that, uh, frame of reference certainly they were needed when I picked up practice myself. It was very much meditation. I think most people, we all are interested in that. That's what interests us. Clay to clarify, calm the mind, clear the problems and so forth, get focused. That's understandable. I did that for three years. I was doing a particular very narrow point focus on a particular sensation arising in the abdomen, breathing in, breathing out. I did that. My teacher was pretty pleased with what I was doing, so I I was good enough at it. At least I stayed with it for three years, so nobody else did. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I'm not claiming anything, but certainly I was doing good enough with that. And then uh, circumstances took me to Britain, and then, you know, it just all fell apart, you know. You try and focus on some itsy-bitsy sensation in your belly when you're dealing with family crisis and people going dying and, you know... Uh, and in this place, just, you know, stuff happening and people, uh, uh, you, know, you, just, you know, you're shoveling rubble or um, just uh, learning to share room with four other people and just getting buckets to catch the rain in. And, uh, you know, you can't focus, you can't, Buddhism is a little more than just focusing on the sensation in your belly when life's like that. But then you can keep that sense of, okay, this is for the Sangha, this is for the welfare of the community, this is following the instructions of the teacher, it's learn to live together, cooperate, and uh, also to encourage and uh, um, other you know, lay people to come in and feel they could be part of it. And then you just get a lot of that, you start to realize, oh, this, is called, this is called practicing <coughs> loving kindness, <laughs> And compassion, uh, without without having the the words for it, because that's what starts to happen, if you live with people in such a way, then you're either going to get pretty opinionated, or you start to just get bigger, bigger heart to take it all in, take in the because you know everybody comes in fairly ragged, and uh, uh, these situations often attract people who. Definitely got some psychological damage, you know. Some people flip out, or neurotic, or very unbalanced, and you've got to handle it and be with it and deal with it and keep human about it all. So it really does push a lot. Yeah, the other end of the spectrum, we were always encouraged. Uh, particularly, this lineage has quite a refined sense of training, vineyard training, morality training, which is beyond morality. It's about how you hang your robes up. So, they always deal with the robes as if it's this. Say, you should handle your robes as if it's the skin of the Buddha, with great respect and care. You'd look at them very carefully to see it, even a tiny little hole, big enough for a bed bug to crawl through. You have to fix it. You can't, yeah, you can't just old rag throw it on the floor. You've got to have a special rail to put it on. Treat it with respect. Be with it at dawn. Uh, you don't trample on the edges of it. You take it off when you do work. A bowl. You're supposed to hand never to scratch the bowl. Don't leave the bowl dirty. You always clean it promptly. It's not like a soup plate. It's called the skull of the Buddha. It represents the uh, the relationship between the samana and the householders. The, you carry the bowl. You carry the Buddha's bowl <laughs> so that when I mean, you can't ask for food, you can't ask for things, you have to reject money. You carry the bowl so that people who wish to have an opportunity to be generous. This sounds kind of a bit... Mealy mouth, you know, but it works, and people do want to do it. They do want to put things in it, and it's always completely blown me away. I mean, in Thailand, I could understand it; it's just the custom. But in Britain, you just say, "This is just why? Why are you doing this?" You would say, "Just I felt like it." And well, there's something there that's not about me as a person, or you know, something has arisen. This is the, the, these are the things that begin to realize: Hey, you've, you've just stepped into something pretty vast that you didn't really know anything about. Yeah, this this is beyond reason. This is beyond culture. This is beyond your personhood. This is something that is doing things to people, and it, and it's going to do if you respect it. It does things to you. You become someone who is honored to carry the bowl, you know, it's no longer heavy, it's a privilege, carrying the Buddha's bowl in the world, it represents everything that stands against greed, competition, grabbing, manipulation, um, uh, you know, hatred or, you know, and it carry, and it stands against that, and it stands for everything that brings people together, recognising our humanity, uh, living simply, trying to live as frugally as possible, to ask for as little as possible, and all these tremendously powerful messages that are occurring without saying a word through that thing. Well, at least I could carry the bowl, and so I don't. reflect upon that. They couldn't really, you know, meditation wasn't going so well, you know, feeling kind of tired, or this, that, or the other, but I can carry the bowl. And, yeah, I can, so that good causes and conditions will come out of that, and they do. This whole place is built around that principle, <laughs> Essentially. Uh, and without ever asking. Yeah. I mean, let, letting the needs be known, if you want to offer, this is what can, can do it, but no pressure. When you, you come here, you can come here for absolutely free nothing. You want to give a thousand pounds, fine. You want to give nothing, you can, that's fine. It doesn't matter. There's no check at the door well this what a great thing to feel ones be part of yeah. Yeah. and then the people get to uh have a sense of something they can trust so this is a transmission a yeah. line and it's a uh, yeah. And one as well, hmm. where did it come from? Where does it go to? Don't know. But is it already something that's moving against the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion? Yeah. Is it already something that's. Uh, Opening me beyond my my person self, yep. Is it for the welfare of others? Yep. Does it support mindfulness, faith, uh, focus, attentiveness? Yep. Then surely one trusts it. Otherwise, you see, it's also the case that, it, you know, in term, particularly in terms of uh, spiritual practice, dhamma practice, meditation practice, how do you assess anything? How do you really know whether you're on a good thing or just getting it deluded? Yeah. How do you know you're just kind of buying a, a lemon that looks good? Yeah. How, do you know? how do you know? It's not all just a waste of time some other cult. <laughs> it's just going to fizzle out. Yeah. And you think well, what's it going to do with me anyway? You know. But the really, uh, even we also one can even live in all this, live in the history of it, live in the circumstances of it, live in the building project and the meetings and uh, you know discussions over the colour we're going to paint the door and what's going to do about the cat and uh, you know and whose duty it is to water the flowers and whether we want to all these kind of details of, of the life and you can sort of miss you miss the wood for the trees you know you actually well, you know, well this is about purification really and when I start to get agitated or opinionated or it's got to happen this way or I don't see why I should have to bother with that that's not about purification <laughs> uh, or if I feel intimidated I can't dance, say anything and that's not about purification is it? Mm. So you see that that theme that we use to clear the mind mm. and to feel you know say a bit, be who you are it's not going to be perfect but you're willing to learn you learn in the group in the group medium and because it doesn't promise anything and it doesn't cost anything it doesn't guarantee anything well maybe this is something one can trust just because of that it's not saying oh well you come here we'll have you all sorted out in five years no problem a shining future for you We've got the 12 step, the 15 step, the new diamond light awakening process. We've just fitted this up for the 21st century, kicked out all the archaic rubbish, new squeaky clean, ultrasound, get yourself. This is going to do it for you big time. How about 12 grand? It's cheap. It's, just, it's, a, it's a gift. <laughs> Trust it. i was <laughs> saying, well, you know, you can't guarantee anything. Uh, it might work, it might not work. But uh, do you feel like letting go of a few things? Does that mean something to you? Do you feel like, you know, uh, stepping out of yourself? Uh, Do you feel like putting effort in and energy in? Just do you feel like that? Is that what encourages you? Like Ajahn Chah would say, when people came to the monastery, what, 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 did you come here to die? Otherwise, like. Don't bother. <laughs> well, great—that's <laughs> really great salesmanship. Huh? For some people, said, "Yeah, I did. Okay, you knew what you're talking about. This is where I—I I surrender. And uh, in that, the possibility of opening to something truly amazing." Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe that, at all. But it can be the case in which one has tried this and that and the other, and you just thinking, I'm kind of like, so I've had enough of trying to get my little me sorted out and this, that and the other. You know, I just want something bigger to just drop it into. It can be, it can be that, can be the call. In the awakening call. Can you trust it? Is it another delusion? Well, you look at—is anybody going to manipulate me? Well, maybe, maybe they might try, but this vineyard stuff is definitely set up to avoid that. To to sexually abuse me—absolutely, totally unacceptable. Any anything anywhere near that. And in all these 40 years, so in Britain, there's never been a single incident of anything of that nature. And yeah, And it's not even remarkable, it's just obvious. It's not going to happen. The vineyard just completely checks anything of that nature. Power trips, uh, you know, clearly there are power, people with powerful in, individuals, but again, the, the, the vineyard uh, helps to check that, you've got to work in terms of a tradition. Ajahn who was, you know, the being, because we were all just complete infants, compared with him. And he took it upon himself, but still he was bound to the his own teacher, and the lineage, and the tradition, There's certain things he couldn't do. And then, <coughs> going to opening up into much more sangha procedure, as we got more mature. That's the way it's gone, not towards uh, a single luminous figure, but actually away from it, the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. There's nobody of his stature, it cannot be. It's, it's just, it's not, people aren't well-meaning, just you don't have that same configuration, that's much more group, has to group, the group has to work together. And I think that's an interesting thing, and that came that's the direction it goes to. Can you trust him? Is anybody getting a special deal here? Yeah? Anybody, yeah? And if that's not the case, and uh, it's encouraging uh, respect, and mindfulness, and inviting you as you can, totally in accordance with your wishes, you asked to come in, uh, it's not then, you know, not promising you anything, apart from this is going to be tough. Um, then maybe it's something you think, there's something, you know, very real about this. Nobody's selling me candy floss. And yet, you know, it's also uh, earthy and connected to nature and, and flexible you can do it in Britain, you can do it in France you can do it in Portugal, you can do it in Norway you can do it in many, any countries where the same quality of relationship and training can occur you can do it in Uganda if you like, it doesn't really matter because it relates to certain fundamental realities of the human mind spiritual training the 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 the, the need and the ability to step beyond oneself and the kind of uh, culture and the persuasion and the encouragement and the you know, and the friendship to do This, <clears throat> to me is therefore one can trust it and at the end of the day, want, you know, so you can have an opinion about yourself with spiritual practice, you're looking for some kind of reference, are you getting anywhere? Are you, are you, uh, people sometimes ask me, so I'm a sotapanna, a stream mentor, or I was a stream mentor, what do I do next? And, uh, uh, you know, when you get to Anagami and I'm thinking, no, don't, don't, I really wouldn't do that. Just recognize if you're suffering or not and how it feels and how you can let go of it. Just keep doing that till there's no more suffering left. That's what you can trust. (laughs) Forget the language of jargon. (laughs) Is that real? (laughs) Do You have to be a Buddhist. In order to wake up, do you have to have studied all the scriptures in order to be awakened? Is that necessary? Do you have to know Pali? Not <laughs> these things are in the way, but uh, do you think that's what? Do you think that's what it takes? They, certainly, the Buddha didn't have all that going for him. Neither did his early disciples, but they did have this sense of uh, you know, commitment, a sense of a vision, faith. There is a beyond. Uh, the willingness to put whatever they had, whatever they could, into that, into restraint, into care and attention, into uh, mutual support, training under a discipline. And otherwise you just up with opinions about yourself. You know? Or trying to have some wonderful state. You can say, look, I had one of these. You know, some I had this light. When I was in meditation, this kind of things went quiet, and I had this little light came on. Does that mean I'm in I'm an agami? <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of, uh, why do you need to know? You know, it's got a constant search for self-definition. What are you going to rely upon? Some kind of special mystical thing that happened to you once, five years, then you've got to have it again to prove that you're really there with it. Um, you know, you end up just, just relying upon opinions about yourself or trying to form some opinion about yourself based upon some one off experience. But the aim of this is to not have an opinion about yourself, just have heard all the opinions you can have about yourself. And frankly, most of the opinions I've had about myself have not been very nice at all. <laughs> I don't know if your mind does that. I don't think I've ever really had a very <laughs> wonderful opinion about myself. You know, it's just kind of just you know. I'll cry. I mean, the best it can do is, is well, well. He does mean well, I suppose. Bit of an idiot, but okay. Uh, bubbles along and just eventually, don't even bother to go there. I can't rely on I not can't rely on all that. Because otherwise, I'm wonderful. Just what everybody needs, the most fantastic monk, teacher, luminous being on the totally right water. I think I'd soon have a bad opinion have that one. (laughs) But the idea is to not have an opinion. Because what's to have an opinion about? Whether you're suffering or not is not an opinion, it's an experience. You know, that's what we need to know. And we need to know and have faith in the plo- process of restraining the mind, getting the mind to surrender, get out of its preoccupations, its its willfulness, um, its carelessness, its speediness, its impulsiveness, its niggardliness, its its crabbiness, its competitiveness, its compar just get it out of that. Yeah, and then Ehi, bhikkhu, this is you, wake up. Mm. Learn to moderate your body, how it operates, moderate your speech. This is something you can know. Mm. When you want to rush forward, hold back. When you want to hold back, move forward. When you want to dither, get firm. When you want to hold on firm, get spacious. Just keep working against the mind's willfulness and self-obsessiveness until it becomes, see, then you get the results. And maybe five years, ten years, you start to get the results. There's just a lot of stuff has stopped happening. And you think, and I feel good about it. <laughs> and then, yes, this is something one can have faith in. This is something that's possible to do. This is something that's worth giving a life to. This is something to share the occasion with others to find their way. So I offer this to be your reflection.